Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. And we're the Podcasters. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, we're continuing our season three. Oh, Jesus. Festival three, whatever the fuck we're calling it. Um, we we got another soul. episode, guys. Let's just call it. It's another episode of another film podcast. Um, and we are, uh, we are now doing this week my choice, my third choice for the festival. My choice. Uh, my choice. choice. Uh, do we also put you on blast and talk about how uh, you did some flip-flopping? <laughs> oh, my, yeah, you should blast. Basically be summertime because we're all out here flip-flopping. Flip-flopping, yeah. So we started with Tierney flip-flopping, and then Matt decided he was going to do some flip-flopping. So, yeah, look at us go. Sure. My, my I, shit is locked in is all I'm saying. So our... Yeah, well, you've got such a specific criteria <laughs> that, of course, you have to stay locked in. We're I'm, really loosey-goosey on our end. I might switch um, it up just to just for the hell of it. I mean, I don't even know the next movie that you picked. I've never even heard of it in my life. Oh, so. fuck off. <laughs> Truly, I haven't. Anyway, um... <laughs> We're going to give listeners some insight, and uh, here's going to be another request. We haven't done one of these in a while. But if you feel strongly about either of these choices that... Or wait, one of the choices. It's only one other one, because the other one we are going to do eventually. But almost this week, we did The Rover, starring Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson. Uh, ultimately, I reconsidered finding the movie to be too bleak for what we need right now in our <laughs> lives uh and so uh I, you know i pivoted i did a little pivot picked a different australian movie that australian movie is going to be in theaters uh in la at the end of the month so now i put that one off so now we in finally theaters. <laughs> in theaters screening, in screening in one theater for two days in theater, <laughs> March just like listening um yeah, <laughs> like listener in theater, but uh, ultimately landed on this is going to be my fourth. This is so boring, but I bumped it up. The criteria for this particular movie was in line with my theme for my overall picks, which is movies that I would have seen at the Chicago International Film Festival, which is what ultimately inspired other film festival choices that I've had. This one uh, was my selection for LGBTQIA+, which there's typically a whole category of like <clears throat> out category or like the you know the gay movie the banner of like this is a gay movie and they really advertise it which made it very easy for me to see this movie is gay <laughs> this movie is gay they moved into the city and now it's gay uh, <laughs> shout out to john roberts <laughs> yeah this movie is gay watch it he's watch it it's gay <clears throat> you're gay, you're gay. Um, <laughs> so this is my gay movie selection uh, of my choices, and it is the 2011 film Pariah by D. Rees, uh, who went on to do Mudbound, uh, which was uh, kind of an awards darling in 2017. 17. Lots of love, but uh, I don't think it really won very much. But... Uh, in any case, that's not this movie. This movie is Pariah, uh, and it is a very brisk 86 minutes. I, my history with the movie, uh, I looked back to see if I knew, 
I, I thought this was part of the programming for one of the years that I volunteered at the Chicago National Film Festival, and what I discovered was, I don't think it was, uh, but it looks like it was part of the Outfest, or like the Gay and Lesbian Chicago Film Festival, around that same year, and likely I saw advertisements for it or something. But I remember this movie being in that festival realm um, when I was still volunteering, and I remember being like, oh, I should see that. I never got around to it. So uh, I put it off for many years. And then I think a couple months ago when I was on a flight home uh, to L.A., I finally saw that it was available on the plane, which, spoiler alert to our category, would you watch this on a plane? <laughs> I did. Uh, and I watched it then. And I'll save one of the comments I have about that experience for when we get to that category. But... Um, yeah, I found it very moving and, uh, you know, had had it in the back of my mind as a choice that I was probably going to make for this. And after watching it, I was like, yeah, I, I would like to talk about this movie. So um, that was my selection. I watched it again for this week and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I think it's a, it's also like exactly the kind of indie, low budget family drama that I like. No, 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 no. I love so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was. It feels very much like yeah. This is exactly the kind of movie that I would watch. Um, so excited to hear what both of your experiences were with this movie. Quick side note. Um, yeah. Because I noticed it earlier, and you just mentioned it. <laughs> Do you know what the budget for this movie was? Twelve million. I don't know. Eight hundred thousand. Wow! Wow! Eight hundred thousand dollars. Wow. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. So to your point about, you know, small, low budget indie movies, like, the lowest of budgets. <laughs> Micro budget. Wow, anyway. Under a million. Good job, D movies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my uh, background with it. What's, uh, what's everyone else? Tierney, do you have any background with this movie? Negative. Okay, uh, then I'll go. Okay, go for it. Why? Sorry, were you going to? Do you want to elaborate? Take it away. <laughs> um, so this movie came out uh, when I was living in South Dakota. Um, so after college, but before I had moved to Chicago. And options for seeing indie films in the early 2010s in South Dakota were extremely limited. So this movie was on my radar because it was at Sundance. But uh, I never actually got an opportunity to see it. Um, and then I remember it came out on uh, DVD and I recommended it to friend of us, Katie, a uh, former roommate of mine who you guys both know, um, because she had recently come out and I was like, oh, I think this movie might be something that you would enjoy. And so she rented it, raved about it. And then I went to go rent it, and it wasn't in at the, like, red box that I normally go to. And so I was like, oh, I'll just check back. And then I just <laughs> never did. <laughs> no. So it's been on my radar for, like, ten years, and I just never got around wow. to watching it. Um, but I did text her this morning, and I was like, hey, I finally watched Pariah, and it's really fucking good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry to you, Katie, but I finally made up for it. <laughs> Huzzah. Yeah, I had not seen it. it. It was on my radar. I had not seen it. I did. I remember we watched, I think we watched Mudbound together in our apartment because it was a mm-hmm. Netflix movie. And I think we all like watched it. And I remember. Not me. Were you not there? No, I wasn't invited to that one. 
apparently. <laughs> to our living room? You weren't invited to our living room? I guess room? not. <laughs> uh, well, this, this got awkward. Because <laughs> I thought we all watched it together. I've seen the first but... 10 or 15 minutes of Mudbound, and maybe it was then and I just walked away. But all I know is... That's that... what I'm thinking is happening. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like what happened. You went, I'll stick around maybe for a couple of these, and he chewed down some rice cakes. And then <laughs> okay, you know this what? is getting I personal. actually have to do some... <laughs> Not everybody can eat bread. <laughs> no, it's just a very specific snack that I remember you always had and would go. Yeah, because for our listener, it's also a rice cake with about a centimeter of butter on top of it. <laughs> yeah. A tasty treat. Classic um, tyranny snack. But no, I remember uh, the like my only thing with mudbound was like yeah people are talking about it it's supposed to be really good and the woman who directed it directed pariah i didn't really think mudbound was that great like i thought it was perfectly fine but i didn't really like that movie that much uh and i just like am annoyed that this movie didn't get more buzz because i feel like this movie deserves it way more than mudbound does but anyway that's maybe that's getting a little too into the weeds here but <laughs> so was this your first time seeing it then yeah okay um, i'm so glad i could bring this up to fruition for you yeah <laughs> katie's really glad too so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i um hadn't heard of this movie um because i guess i walk around with my head in the sand <clears throat> eating rice cakes um, and then, uh, it's happened Matt, two times, Tierney. You don't have to beat yourself up. About and then Matt, Matt picked it, and I watched it uh, today, and uh, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Well, I mean, it's like a, a bit of it's a drama, so like, how much do you really like enjoy the suffering of others? But I thought it was a uh, well-made movie, and it was a captivating mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll, I think that's like a very brief history, so thank you for. That's because that's it was. Exact, like, um, right, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that, it's all that it is. There is no more history. <laughs> it was um, yesterday and then today. Yeah. <laughs> the end. <laughs> no red box snafus. Yeah. No, no you know, misunder, misremembered festivals. Um, just a movie uh, I've never I did, heard I of and a movie strike. that I watched a couple days after yeah. that. <laughs> Which is going to be me and your next selection, uh, Colin. Never heard of it, don't know what it is, watched it, and then we'll have that story. For the uh, the, what a tease. Uh, Congratulations, listener. Tease. <laughs> uh, I'll give a hint. Uh, the name of a, a very particular Fantasia character is in the next movie's title. That of all the times, true. <laughs> that's just is not it, true at all. Is it the broom? Yep. God exactly. damn it, Terry. You didn't want to give it away. It's called it's Broomy Broom Face. <laughs> Directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, but I think that's actually an interesting way to start. It's by saying, like, you know, how much can you enjoy a drama of, like, the suffering of others? And, you know, this is kind of an overall note. But I remember... I think first I read uh, I read Roger Ebert's review of Pariah back in the day, and he says, and this is something I agree with that like 
pariah is maybe too harsh a word for Mm -hmm. this particular movie, which I agree with, because I think overall, um, Alike's just attitude and, like, vibrance and personality are so bright, and she, like, smiles for a lot of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's an interesting kind of, I think, tonally, it suggests it's going to be very dark and kind of, like, you know, a brutal coming of age, like, queer uh, struggle story. But it certainly got that. And the family drama is very uh, heavy and, you know, there's some domestic violence and stuff like that that's very, um, you know, affecting. But then I think a lot of it is, like, you're really spending time with Alike and, like, she's so good. I mean, uh, the, the performance is so, like, loving and, like, uh, exciting. You're, like, excited for her to, like, have these first time experiences and like discover herself and kind of own her identity with her family that it's it's like a and even i mean not to jump right to the end but like even the end note is a positive one it's a very happy like you know this the poem itself that's right at the end but also just like that final image suggests that like yeah this is not a sad tragedy it's actually the beginning of a great like success story Mm -hmm. this this great becoming which i think is a really bold and uh you know invigorating kind of way to tell a gay story um especially (laughs) like the early 2000s where it's very easy to tell like the gay struggle story um which like there's certainly a struggle here but there's a lot of just like beauty and a lot of like deeply felt like uh growing pain that I think this movie does really well. And the performances are all great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some might be a little big or a little, like, uh, a little melodramatic at points, uh, but certainly not the lead performance and certainly not um, Laura, who has, like, the B story in this movie, which uh, we'll, I think we should spend some time on Laura eventually because I thought her storyline was one of the more surprising elements of the movie and also one of the best parts, mm-hmm. uh, personally. So, um, I don't know if anybody has any thoughts kind of about that. I was just going to say it's an optimistic story. So, like, yeah. Yeah. there is suffering, but it's not like... Like, if you look at... Uh, what was the one with Casey Affleck in New England? Manchester by the Sea. Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, truly the most, like, pessimistic outlook <laughs> of a story you could possibly imagine. Versus this takes a, like more difficult situation but it's like hey things are going to be okay instead of like well this is just terrible and more terrible um which i tend to prefer (laughs) life is full of ups and downs it is yeah i think that's a fact uh the i was expecting it to be a lot tougher of a watch than it was um and i think uh a lot of it goes into like what your the performances um i think she the um woman who plays alike um i probably am gonna say this wrong and i apologize but i think it's adipero aduye um yep you got it is she i she's just like incredible um like the the minute you she like is on screen i'm just like okay like i will watch her like she's just so captivating 
Um, and I think the the character is so well developed from jump that you just like you, I just I feel like I like I'm 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 wanting to go on this journey with her and even though I know it's not going to be like an easy journey the fact that she's like so like the the performance is so realized it like makes it makes some of the tougher stuff easier to hang with if that makes sense yeah. Um, I thought she was really good. I thought all the performances were good, but I agree. I think um, <clears throat> her and uh, Pernell Walker, who plays Laura, were, like, the two standouts for sure. Um, and I think it's it, it was fun to watch their separate journeys because they're both kind of attacking a similar thing from different angles. And, like, sometimes it intersects in certain ways and sometimes they're doing their own different things. And it seems like Laura's, like, mostly figured her shit out. Um, at least in terms of her, like, sexuality, and Alike is still, like, kind of trying to figure out exactly where she falls. Um, uh, and so, like, I think it's interesting to see, like, how their two arcs kind of bob and weave throughout the storyline. But I think to the point, the overall point that you guys are making that it's really, uh, like, the ultimately is fairly optimistic is, like, the that final scene where she's talking to her dad on the roof. Not the, like, the final scene of the movie, but, like, one of the final scenes of the movie. <clears throat> um, when she, Like, the line that really got me was when she's like, I'm not running, I'm choosing. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I that just, yeah. like, totally yeah. bowled me over. <laughs> I thought that was good. And just, like, it's like, uh, you know... Everybody has shitty moments in their life, but it's, like, about how you look at it is what, Mm -hmm. like, is, uh, like, people say that's, like, what courage is or, like, that's what defines a person is how they look at, like, the shitty. I mean, it's literally when life gives you lemons. Um, (laughs) But it just, I feel like it shows the strength of a character without telling us the strength of the character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she is just, like, pleasant to be around. Like, her smile is so magnetic. And, like, honestly, I mean, so, yeah, we could talk about the mom's performance, maybe, which I thought was a little big, but also effective in the way where I was like, get off her back. Like, get off your whole family's back. She's, like, so up in everyone's shit. And I think there's certainly, like, a lot of evidence put forth to suggest that, like, she's kind of this brusque because of how husband treats her of like you know being a like a faithful woman who doesn't want her daughter to be gay which you know is not necessarily like an understandable thing but certainly like real for the character Mm -hmm. um but it really is like by the end of it you're also kind of like so like another comparison to like a teenage coming of age movie that i love is like ladybird where the mom and the daughter relationship is that is super contentious and I think in the end they both kind of try to meet the other one where they are and in this case it doesn't really happen like um, Alike's mom is kind of stubborn at all and so like Alike's mom being this stubborn uh, it really does put you into the perspective of like yeah you've got to get out of this like it's not worth and it's almost it's like, we see that with Laura. Laura continues to try to connect with her mother, who seems to be homophobic as well, and disappointed in her daughter. 
and even all that work that she puts into kind of winning her mom's affection doesn't work in the end. And in this case, it's Alike being like, you know what? I'm not going to pretend that somebody I'm not. I'm going to be exactly who I am and get out of here, get mm-hmm. out of the situation. And even if she has a good relationship with her father, who is obviously troubled and, uh, you know, has his own set of problems, it's a different, like, I don't know, he's the one who comes to her to the rooftop mm-hmm. in the end and defends her when other guys are you know, suggesting that she's a lesbian, even if it's a little more, you know, not necessarily defending his gay daughter, but just saying, like, don't even think that that's what's going on. He's very much trying to ignore it as well. Uh, So to jump back to what you, I think you originally started talking about was just, like, the mother's performance being a little big. Mm -hmm. I do agree with that, but I think... To me, I like it didn't bother me because I, I felt like that was part like that was the point, right? Like right. she's trying to make it seem like everything's fine. Like everything's fine in her marriage, everything's fine with her family, everything's fine with her daughter. And she's just like going over the top to try and like put a band-aid over like this very <laughs> these very obvious issues that like she's just ignoring. Um and I think that that also is borne out because, like, there are not a ton of scenes with her outside of the home, or at least outside of, like, interacting with, like, her family. But, like, when she... There's, like, the one scene where she's um, getting lunch at her office or whatever, and, like, yeah. you can very clearly tell that, like, nobody really likes her. Like... <laughs> right. Like, like, there are some women who are eating. When she gets there, she sits at a different table, and they, like, very quickly just, like, stop talking and then leave. <laughs> like it's it's and then like the one woman does come and sit down with her and they like have an awkward conversation but then some other people come in and it's like very clearly like the other woman is like okay cool i you know like i put in my time with you and now i'm like i'm gonna go back to talking to these other people because these other people are more fun so like i think that character is always just a lot and it like for uh, for a reason and yeah exactly um so it didn't really bother me, even though I agree. I think like that is like the most performance out of out of everybody in this movie. But um, like I said, it didn't bother me because I felt like that was the point. Was the woman who sat with her was that Laura's girlfriend? Okay, that's what I thought. No, no, it's no, no, the no. mom of the girl, Bina. Oh, yeah, it's Bina's oh, mom. Oh, okay. Which, that's an inter- I think that's an interesting angle to talk about, too, is the fact that it's clear that Mrs. Singletary, who's the one that sits down at lunch, suspects that her, that uh, Alike is maybe gay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's certainly suggested by her being, like, for your youngest daughter, right? Like, your older daughter would not wear this pink. And then her, her trying to cover. She's like, oh, it's just, yeah. your daughter, the younger one just is the one that came to mind. I, no, no reason why. It's like, yeah. okay. But, her, you know, if she suspects that about Alike, does she suspect that about her own daughter? And is that why she wants to kind of set them up to be like, well, maybe you can help each other grow through this together i don't I think so thought of it that way yeah mm-hmm. especially because it doesn't seem like um her daughter is super comfortable and like it doesn't right. seem like she's out either and it seems i kind of got the vibe that she doesn't want people to know for somewhat 
like it seemed like a myriad of reasons, but some of them overlapping with Laura and Alike as well of like mm-hmm. the parents finding out. Right, but oh, okay, that would make sense. But it doesn't. It it does seem like maybe the mom could still know, even if sure. Lena herself is not open about it. And yeah, and maybe it was like, "Mom, shut up! What are you talking about?" She's like, "I don't know. If you like girls, then you like girls." That's a scene we don't get, but maybe it's happening uh, <laughs> that we don't. See. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I I don't necessarily think that. Like that's not how I read it, and I sure because I think the whole. Like, oh, Alike, Bina, be friends, like, definitely felt orchestrated more by Alike's mom. Oh, sure. Than anything else. So I don't necessarily, like, and I think Bina's mom was probably just like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, like, we go to the same church, they go to the same school, we live in the same neighborhood. Like, yeah, maybe they can be friends. But I don't necessarily think it was like a... Like, I'm doing, like, I'm trying to do my daughter and Alike a solid here. <laughs> Fair. Okay. I accept that. I also think, because, um, like, uh, obviously Laura is, like, very open with her, like, her sexuality, and it's, like, no secrets there. And it's not really a secret for Alike either, Um you know, like, like nobody's talking about it, but everybody kind of knows about it. But in terms of Bina, like, it definitely doesn't seem like she's presenting as somebody who might sure. be queer. So, um, so I think that that's another, another point that, like, I don't necessarily know if her mom would expect anything based on at least, like, the outward appearance that Bina gives when she's interacting with people other than Alike. And it Listen. seems like she has a boyfriend. But she doesn't seem that into the boyfriend at the end of the movie, though. No, but he could be right, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a cover story. And so if, if the sure. mom thought she had a boyfriend, right, then right. she wouldn't necessarily be like, but what if okay. I hooked you up with a girl? <laughs> I accept that I'm wrong about this suspicion. <laughs> let's, keep sh- let's keep shitting on that. I theory. relent. Uh, I relent. I mean, it's a very lovely idea, especially when you get like, I mean, at the end of the movie... When Alike says, I love you, and her mom can't say it back, and then says, I'll pray for you. I literally said, fuck off. Yeah. To the movie. And I just, I just, I, I, like, your literal child, but whatever. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. I'll never really understand that, (laughs) is really what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I think also, like, there's, I mean, there's definitely, like, I was just thinking about this because uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union oh, yeah. gave a speech at the NAACP Awards, and we're talking about, uh, they were very pointed about, like, we are standing up for our daughter, but, like, you got to decide if our community is going to fight for some of us or for all of us, and, like, we are trying to look out for our daughter, but we're also looking out for all of your kids, so, like, it's time to get, like, the black community in line and actually stand behind gay kids. Like, mm-hmm. this is a long overdue conversation. Wait, like, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union are married? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Did you not know this? They've been married no. for, like, 15 years. 
it's kind of it's i mean it's very cool well um, I, I assume long the, enough the for their child to like be an adult I think they have, it like, sounds like i think they have yeah. three kids okay i think the i think their daughter's 14 yeah um, and she's and they've been like very supportive of her uh transition mm-hmm. and like really sp- outspoken about like you know how important this fight is for young people um particularly like young black uh, teenagers and, and children that are going through this so like that was on my mind too as far as like the kind of the politics around what is accepted and what isn't uh, among these families and how it's all kind of like yeah laura's rejected by her parents alike is really in the end rejected by her mom which is a really like i think that's the other thing that's really important to note is like like we're saying it's a very optimistic ending but it is also like on paper very sad yeah and very like like not the win that you would expect from a movie like this where it's like in the end the parents are like oh my god we were wrong it should have been like we should have come around and consider it's like no she's gonna leave the situation the tragedy isn't that she has to like live in this community and be hated the tragedy is that her parent that her mom is going to be stubborn and lose her daughter in her life and like i think that's a really bold move to take the the movie and take the narrative that's being taught uh, of like yeah choose yourself choose your own identity and be authentic and and then you'll be smiling at the end. I do think it's, it's, uh, it's the, that particular, like it's that, that moment is brutal. Like that scene between her and her mom, uh, that Tierney was just talking about is like, like truly devastating to watch. But I think the fact that her dad seems to be like, okay with it like if not comfortable Mm -hmm. but at least like okay i'm not going to lose my daughter over it um does make the sequence with the mom Mm -hmm. less difficult um because i think if if it like even if the ending were essentially the same where she's just like i'm choosing me this is a like this is the direction i want to take my life and this is what i'm going to do but she lost like both of her, you know, lost both of her parents in that decision. Like that's still a really tough ending. Um, and so this, like the version that we get is tough, but not quite as bad. And it does seem like she will still have a relationship with her dad. And if you choose to be optimistic about it, which I don't necessarily know if, if the mother deserves this reading, but like if, if she continues to have a relationship with her dad, maybe someday down the road, she could also have some sort of relationship with her mother as well. Again, seems yeah. seems unlikely, but <laughs> but also I think like there's a there's an element of the mom being very uh, submissive towards the dad mm-hmm. in a lot of like traditional gendered role kind of ways, where when they're playing when Alike is like playing with her mom's hair and is like you should you should put your down your hair down more often. And she's like your father likes it up. And it's like that kind of sums up the whole relationship mm-hmm. is that when uh, the dad is eating spaghetti and he's like, I want a beer. And she's like, it's 10 in the morning on a Sunday. And he's like, it goes with the spaghetti. <laughs> she gets him the beer. Like she's very much yeah. going to do what he says uh, and will, you know, live with the fact that he's cheating on her and barely ever really speak up about it. Um, and I think in some maybe positive sense, he might be the one to be like, listen, you better get in line and you better like 
respect our daughter and like meet her where she is Mm -hmm. because she needs a mom and you're not going to act like this and the mom might actually like for better or for worse accept that advice and movie do it because it's like okay well then I'm not the one deciding it I'm being told I have to yeah even though maybe she actually does want her daughter back but like that's a possibility it might not be they might also get a divorce it seems very likely that this couple that this married couple will not stick together in the long run yeah um uh yeah I mean I don't know oh I do oh talking about the mom too I did want to point out one moment that actually made me kind of laugh which was after uh Bina and her mom are talking to uh uh, Lika and her mom and the little sister's like I want to play music and she's like no we're going to listen to what I want to listen to <laughs> and then it's like fucking polka music and I was like the fuck straight up polka this is what you want to listen to this is the craziest thing for somebody to be like nah it's my tunes today and then have it be that accordion music which I was like what the fuck is this um, it really took me which by maybe surprise again, yeah. truly a real shocking moment of levity um, and yeah maybe another reason why her co-workers don't want to sit near her she's like do you guys want to listen to this, these jams and they're like no thank you they all walk into the break room and she's like oh I got here first so it's my day on the CD player and they're like oh, we gotta go we gotta get out of here I cannot stand this music <laughs> This is the worst. <laughs> Why do you like it? Um, um, I thought her sister was really good. Yeah, I... She's another big performance. I was a little... Yeah, in but... And out on, you, sorry, what are you... Sorry, I cut you off. I was just a little in and out on, on how much I was enjoying it. I think I, yeah, but I age... Think... Like, I assume she was like 12, maybe? 14? Yeah, I was kind of thinking, so I think they say that Alika is a junior, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of thinking that her sister is like, eighth grade or freshman. Yeah. Like, I was thinking <laughs> that there was, like, a two to three year gap between the two of them. And I think, like, a lot of, uh, you know, obviously, like, I, I do have a younger sister who is two years younger than I am, and I do think that, like... Tierney could probably speak to this better than I could, but uh, having a relationship with a younger sibling when you are both that age, where you are both kind of, like, in your teenage zone, one of you is a little bit older, but the other one's a little bit younger, like, a lot of this, like, a lot of this, the relationship is very antagonistic both ways, um, at least in my experience, so I think... I agree that, again, I think she was a pretty big performance, but I think a lot of it felt true to... Yeah. Like an actual relationship with a younger sibling. <laughs> That's also valid. Um, but I think... And it was interesting that she was also like very tender. That's what I was going to say. I, I think it's yeah. it's balanced out really well in like the quieter moments between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like soft spoiler for uh, our category at the end. But um, I saw Close, which is the um, Mm. Oscar-nominated film um, that I'll talk a little bit more about later, but there's several sequences in that movie where the main character um, is having, like, a really tough time and just, like, crawls into bed with his older brother. Um, Mm. And so, like, having seen that and then watched this, like, that scene where, like, 
their parents are very clearly fighting in the in the like basement of the house or in the like on the living room area and like her sister just comes into her room just for like yeah. some sort of comfort um i thought that like that balanced out some of their like antagonistic relationship that the movie started with and then like right at the very end when alike is like I'm going to get in the middle of this fight. And her sister's like, please don't like, please don't do this. I don't want you to do this. Um, and she's just like, no, I have to do this. Um, I thought like all of those moments were really, really strong between the two. I agree. Uh, I also like that initial dinner scene I thought was fun and good dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good way to start the movie. <laughs> It, rem- like, <laughs> it reminded me yeah. a lot of the Donnie Darko scene. She's <laughs> like, you're such a fuck-ass. What's a fuck-ass? <laughs> uh, um, oh God. I wish I could think of that scene now without thinking of Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thanks for that, Tierney. God, I got so distracted by that thought. <laughs> Because I was like, it, it, if it was going to happen, it was probably it was on, on that. It was on the set of Donnie Darko for sure. <laughs> Come on, stupid. You don't even know how to kiss. Yes, I do, Maggie. Oh, really? Do you want to oh, practice? It doesn't look like it. Let's not. We don't need to do this. I'm so sorry. We, I feel so bad. <laughs> Please. Either Jill and Hall is listening to this. <laughs> the, the Golden Globes or whatever did it first. Um... <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, uh, here's what I'm going to say. This is one thing I wasn't crazy about. But I will say I'm just not generally crazy about it in any movie or media. And that is the, I'm so mad, I'm going to throw my stuff around Oh, reaction. Yeah. Particularly, like, what, right when she left Vina's and was just like, yeah, and like threw her scarf and then like kicked a trash can. Kicking several trash cans. (laughs) And then like going to the room and knocking a lamp over and sweeping shit off the surface. Like in this movie, it didn't really ring true to me. Even though I was like, yeah, maybe this is the height of emotion that you would bring to it. But like it really, in any movie. But usually it's like, it's not a clean sweep of the room, which is what this one was. Because I did have a moment where I was like, like, this is, it's basically like the scene in Killing of a Sacred Deer where (laughs) Colin Farrell just destroys the kitchen (laughs) as like a point. When he's like, do you have the pubes of a virgin? Um Oh, God. <laughs> that fucking movie. Uh, partly because it's just it's fresh on my mind from doing the podcast with Jim, but uh, I feel like it wouldn't be unusual with like all of those hormones in your body, and no one's super. There's like it's rare to find an emotionally intelligent teenager. I feel like that's kind of like they're kind of an oxymoron. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it would be more common for a kid to come in and throw a phone either like at a wall or the pillow, like throw their backpack in a corner and then like kick something, but to just clean sweep a desk, (laughs) a shelf, rip the lamp down. Like she'd be laying in broken glass. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. I was 
yes, I agree. Um, I like that was the one thing that took me out of like the one major thing that took me out of the movie is I was just like, man, that's gonna be a fucking bitch to clean up. <laughs> like, yeah, your mom's all not I could gonna think like about. that. <laughs> yeah, and like meme memes of like the so like so called Kyles that like punch the drywall. It's like. It's one punch of the drywall, or even like one throw of something that you break, and then you're like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, I was gonna say I did. I distinctly remember at some point, and I probably was in high school, maybe late middle school, but like I do remember throwing something against a wall and making a dent in the wall. (laughs) Oh, mine usually broke the item. Oh yeah, no, mine. I I don't remember what I threw, but I do remember throwing something at the wall, making a pretty significant dent in the wall, and then immediately being like, "Oh shit!" And then my parents being like, "What the fuck?" Right. <laughs> mine was a so yeah, I, like so the yeah. fact that she was able to make it through her entire room before somebody came in and right. was like, "Nah, girl, you gotta stop." <laughs> like, it was a little <laughs> wild, but. <laughs> I had a Nokia yeah. brick phone for so long, and those you could, like, run over with a car, and they'd be fine. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I remember I, when I finally got, I got a Razor phone, and I was super pissed off at something. And I came in, and I went, <laughs> I just chucked it toward my bed, uh, but, you know, didn't have, also for our listener, I was on the top bunk because I have a family of a thousand children. Uh, but I didn't. That's your uh, memoir, right? <laughs> Family of a Thousand. <laughs> yeah, like uh, what is it? Night of a Thousand Suns, or is that yeah. a thing? A thousand and one, one nights. A thousand and one Arabian. Like, is it just Arabian no. Nights? Is that the name of it? I think I'm thinking of something that, something else, or maybe something that doesn't exist. House anyway, of a Thousand Corpses. Are you thinking of House of a Thousand that's Corpses? That's the yeah. one. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Rob Zombie's, <laughs> Rob House, Zombie's of Thousand masterpiece, House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, phone hit the my razor phone hit the wall, and I swear I could have thrown my Nokia brick and nothing would have happened, but then my razor just exploded yep. into small yeah. pieces. <laughs> And then it's like those things were not built to last. Okay, so now I don't have a phone. But that was back when phone insurance was you paid like five bucks a month, but then you could get a free phone. Yeah. As opposed to now you pay five dollars a month and then still have to pay for a new phone. Yeah. (laughs) Simpler times. So I just like went to Verizon and got my free phone. I did uh for the most part, I don't think this movie is that dated, but I do think that there are a couple scenes where she's, like, staring at her phone. <laughs> it's, like, one of those, like, Plain classic snake. flip phones that, yeah, that, like, Verizon would give you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I remember that guy, that, that bad boy. <laughs> Which did, in some ways, make this, like, a period piece that I, almost, like, the same way I mentioned this already, but, like, Lady Bird, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, I was in, I was in a Catholic school in this era. Mm-hmm. In the same sense, I was like, oh, yeah, I was gay in the early 2000s. Uh, (laughs) But not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore. I'm straight, baby. Swore it (laughs) off. Finally saw, uh, you know, what what everyone, what all the guys were talking about. And was like, sign me up. What are all the guys talking about, Matt? Oh, the butts. And also, (laughs) the top parts. (laughs) Um... Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
the top I, I do. I want to give an extra shout out again to Laura's story. Which, mm. uh, but I do love Laura's story and her arc kind of happening with a lot of, uh, like, Alike's story uh, surrounding it. But it's also very personal. Like, one of the, one of the like, kind of more heartfelt moments that I felt uh, in the movie was when... Um, Laura sets up her friend to sleep on the couch for a night and then immediately goes to work on her GED, Mm -hmm. which is, like, so, like, I don't know. It's, like, in a lot of the movie where you're kind of rooting for Alike to get everything she wants, I think you feel the same way about Laura, where you're like, man, you're really putting in so much work, and you're such a good friend, and you're, like, you know, you're somebody that we're rooting for. Even when, when like, money is short, she offers to find more hours. Uh, So, like... I just love Laura's character, and I remember the first time watching this being surprised by, like, how much of the weight of the movie rests on her shoulders, and how much it works, and, like, in the end, she's the one who's there for Alike. She's the one who is, like, always going to be there, Uh, and I find her character to be one of the best parts of the movie, and loved her storyline, and thought it was very sad, Uh, maybe even sadder than Alike's, but... Mm -hmm she does have this community and has friends so in many ways that's also that's also nice yeah i really like that scene that you were talking about where because i think the earlier scene when she's with her sister and her sister's like oh like are you still like have you have you started studying are you done studying and like it very much seems like she's just like not interested in doing the ged thing like at all um so then when like it comes around that she like she's I mean, it's probably, like, 2, 3 in the morning when they're getting back. And she just decides, like, she just, like, jumps into the book and is like, no, I'm going to rededicate myself to this. Like, I thought that was really beautiful. And then, goddamn, that scene with her mom is awful. No dialogue (laughs) from the mom. Awful. And she's, she's trying so hard, and she's, like, so proud of herself, and her mom is giving her nothing. And that is... It was heart Ugh. heartbreaking. I know. <laughs> like literally closing stuff. the door in her face. Fucking asshole. Oh, I God, know. That sucked. <laughs> um. Also, uh, I have a key piece of trivia that I learned in my research uh, before this discussion, and it needs to be shared because it shocked me. What age do you think Adapero Duye? when she filmed this movie? I know the answer, so I'm not going to answer, but yes, it also shocked me. <laughs> Tierney? Uh, it's going to be either... It's probably hot, really high. Is she 35? Very close. 33. Yeah. She was 33 <laughs> playing a 17-year-old. Convincingly. Boy, convincingly playing a 17-year-old. Boy, yeah. was it convincing. <laughs> I was shocked to learn she wow. was 33. Because she's, like, 45 now. Which, like, she was in uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I was like, oh, shit, of course. But she plays Sam Wilson's sister and, like, is an adult woman. And realizing that, like, that same adult woman is this, like, very convincingly young woman in this movie mm-hmm. blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe 
of all like the Riverdale fucking CW mm-hmm. old people cast as young teenagers, like fucking Ben McKenzie in the him. OC, <laughs> a man. <laughs> like, you are a grown ass man playing a sixteen yeah. year old. Pain. This is not believable at all. <laughs> at all, and like One Tree Hill, yep. everyone looks like they're fucking. They got you know. A st- like uh they've got five o'clock shadow yeah <laughs> like yeah four hundred one k and this one I really was like oh this is such a good sixteen year old performance and then to find out that she was thirty three I was like you gotta be fucking kidding me yeah what a guess such like a good performance twenty two max blew my mind so the woman Asha Davis the woman who plays Bina is mm-hmm. currently forty nine. What? So she, she, what? she must have also been, you know, <laughs> she must have also, like, what? I guess, yeah, she probably would have been around 35, 36 when she filmed Are Pariah. you fucking kidding me? No. Yeah, true. What? I mean, according to Wikipedia, which, you know. What? <laughs> not necessarily the most reliable source, but I feel like pretty reliable. So she was like 37? <sighs> I guess, yeah. I mean, so this movie came out, it, it premiered in Sundance 2011. So they shot it in 2010. So yeah, she was probably 36, 35 maybe, depending on what time of year they shot it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I cannot believe that. Because like 33 was shocking already. This one has blown open my world. Closer to 40 she was than to mo- 30. Oh my god. She played a sorority girl in 2003 in, a, in Las Vegas, the TV show. But like, yeah, she had a whole career before this movie. Yeah. I mean, fucking right on. Like, good for them. Because truly, like we were saying... Rarely can you pull off, I mean, let's all put a big old spotlight on Ben Platt and Dear Evan Hansen looking like a straight up 42 year old and he was younger. I mean, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. To put all of us out there, Tierney, when you edit this together, feel free to bleep if you if you want or edit this whole thing out. Like we're all in our mid 30s right now. And I don't think a single person. Okay, Tierney's in her early 30s. <laughs> okay. And I'm technically 34, which puts me before the five, which makes me, I would also say early 30s. I would say I'm in my early 30s. Okay. Flirty and 30. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I don't think that anybody, you know, listener, if you happen, listener of the week, if you happen to have met us in real life, you know, whatever. I don't think a single person who interacts with us would ever think that one of us could pass as a teenager right now. No. <laughs> like, not even remotely close to that. If I shaved my beard, I'd look like an old uncle. Like, somebody's, like, aged uncle. Yesterday. With the beard, at least, yeah. Like the beard, at least, I think, gives me a little bit of, like, inconspicuous age range. But if it was just straight skin, if you weren't seeing any beard whatsoever... I would look like a dad's brother. 
Yesterday, I was in uh, Whole Foods, and I wasn't buying the wine, but apparently when you're in self-checkout, they have to card. Well, first of all, the woman came over, looked at us, and was like, oh, he he doesn't need to be carded or whatever, and then looked at me and then just said, do you have an ID? And I was like, okay, I'm 33 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I am well above 21, A. B, I'm not even going to be partaking. Do you really need to see my ID? Good point. It was ridiculous. Anyway, that's what I was going to... That was like the closest to a teenager. And it was probably more that she's probably like, that girl might be 25. Ew, no. But (laughs) like young enough to where I'm going to need to see some identification. But I'm still like, do you not see the age on my face <laughs> the errors yeah just the, the unrelenting unrelentingness of time wreaking <laughs> havoc on my skin yeah. i couldn't oh, believe man. it my jaw was just open the whole time i was like <laughs> yeah, i've stopped getting carded some places and it's uh whittling down my uh my youthful spirit (laughs) anyway would love to pass for 17 convincingly uh i don't i I definitely wouldn't i would love to (laughs) hello fellow children how do you do fellow children how do you do (laughs) yeah that's what i want Anyway, that was just a fun fact that I needed to share. Yeah, wow. Um, uh, yeah. I don't really have much else to say. I, I really like this movie a lot. Um, the Criterion usually does a flash sale sometime in February, so tomorrow, question mark. Uh, and uh, this is one that like they put out a, co- a year or two ago. And I've always been, like, because Katie loved it so much, I've always been, like, on the fence about buying it, and I just haven't. Uh, but I definitely will be, like, adding it to my personal collection, because I what? I was really impressed by this movie. I think, I didn't look it up until right before we started talking, but the $800,000 number is mind-boggling to me. Like, this, like, it doesn't yeah. feel like they put millions and millions of dollars right. into this movie, but this feels like an extremely well accomplished movie for a first time director and with that little of a budget and for for the most part a lot of unknown names right like a lot this is just like a really well made movie and i left being like oh that was really sweet and moving but also i was just like really impressed with the the movie overall because there are shittier looking movies that cost way more. Like, <laughs> like any Marvel movie? <laughs> I was, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. You stole the words Literally right out of my mouth. All of, all of the Marvel movies. <laughs> False. But, I mean, sir, there is some like low budget looking expensive ass movies. And this one really doesn't look. I mean, it looks independent, which is, I think, what gives it a lot of the charm and, mm-hmm. and authenticity that it accomplishes um but again yeah what a difference in like the visual style this was able to accomplish with eight with eight hundred thousand compared to some shit that you see and you're like this was 45 million dollars <laughs> excuse 
Um, but yeah, also, yeah, Criterion Selection and National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as a culturally, oh. historically, or aesthetically significant film. So wow. nice. In 2022, actually. So very, very recent. Um, it's a more important only... award than an Oscar. I mean... Okay. <laughs> uh, the only other thing, I had one other thing that I wanted to mention about the movie. Um, <clears throat> I fucking love Rob Morgan, uh, who is an actor who's popped up in a lot of different stuff. Um, I, I think he's Jimmy's dad in Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Um, and he, he's just like in a ton of stuff. Um, and every time I see him, I get really excited. Except for when he showed up in this movie, I was like, oh, shit, it's Rob Morgan. And then his character is trash. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that was a bummer but, uh, for me personally. <laughs> but also is told to Poughkeepsie his ass out of the store, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, true. Gave us that very, very true. <laughs> I was like, as many times as we can use Poughkeepsie as a word in that a whole, sentence, like, I'm here for it. <laughs> when they're like, you've never even left. He's like, I've been to Poughkeepsie. <laughs> I was like, fuck off. <laughs> it was funny. And also, see, that's the thing, too, is like, there's some good jokes in this movie. There's some, like, yeah. very hearty laughs. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was, he was uh, uh, an appreciated antagonist in this movie, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have, too. Oh, also, I'll just, the very last thing I'll say is, uh, that transformation on the bus in the very, very... Oh, my God. When we first see Alike go from her authentic self into this, like, very performative, like, femme persona is so so effective. Mm-hmm. And, like, what a way to open the movie and establish exactly what the conflict is going to be from Go. And it ends on a bus, too. So it feels very much like a mirror as now she gets to be who she wants to be mm-hmm. and not change anything about herself. Uh, so that was that was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also like that um, <clears throat> Laura is like, no, I'm just going to, like, I'll ride with you for a few more stops. Make sure you get home safe. And she's like, no, I really, like, you can't ride with me. <laughs> like, And, like, get to get, the, like, I, they, the, so that sequence is in the trailer, but it had been so long since I'd watched the trailer that I had forgotten about it. I watched the trailer after I saw the movie last night. Um, and I'm glad that I did not rewatch the trailer before watching the movie because I think that moment was that much more effective when you get get to the reason why she was so adamant that Laura does not join her on the bus ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, like, actually getting to, like, watch that transformation is, like, really powerful. Totally. Oh. Um, Tierney, do you have any closing thoughts? Are we ready to jump to the categories? No, we talked about everything I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> okay. Um, oh, eh, no, never mind. Uh, okay, so categories, tattoo ideas. Um, oh, I mean, just the quote. Yeah. I'm not running. Yeah. I'm choosing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, or like, Poughkeepsie. <laughs> <laughs> just the town of just, Poughkeepsie. Yeah. <laughs> like a map, map. Of the, the map of the state of New York. But then just, like, a little heart right where Poughkeepsie is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But then, like, above the state and below the state, I'm not running, I'm choosing. Like, I'm choosing Poughkeepsie. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my 
god. What else? <laughs> um, uh, hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Oh. About all I got. Yeah, that's about all I've got, too, I think. Yeah. I think that this movie looked really good, but there aren't any, like, images. Like, I think it's it's a lot of, like, the writing for me that's yeah. going to, like, stick with me. Right. There's not a lot of, like, symbols yeah. either that we can, like, grip to. Or, like, I, I do think, things. Uh, like, the tattoo that Bina has on her, like, shoulder looked cool, but also mm-hmm. Bina sucks, so... Right. <laughs> True that. So, so I'm not going to endorse that behavior. <laughs> Pop does not endorse me. <laughs> um, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> also, yeah, you the thing that I wanted like to say. like you had a story. Yeah. Yeah, because, t- so in the spirit of the question, it's typically like, is the content in the movie fine enough to be viewed over your shoulder on an airplane and for the most part this movie is the one thing that made me go a little bit like oh oh was the dildo scene which is like you know you really see this dildo (laughs) it's very pronounced there's a lot of to do about it and so like on the plane i was a little like whoa whoa whoa." (laughs) and then i was like ah you know whatever it's like it's one scene if you're not gonna maybe this will make you go what is that movie and then you'll watch it so that's the the full journey that i went on mentally as i was like moving my phone around and like deciding if i was gonna pause and minimize and then i was like you know what i'll just fucking let it roll but. Uh, speaking of moments that were very funny, that whole sequence when uh, she's like trying it on in her room and they're just like having yeah. a discussion about it. It's so good. Yeah. And her sister's <laughs> like, oh, that's nasty. <laughs> the sister coming in. Very, very funny. I also like when she's like, they finally agree that the sister won't tell. And then she's like, I'm going to tell anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's very classic younger sister shit. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, I should younger sibling. I should say I'm not gonna just put that on sisters only because yeah, I've done shitty stuff like that to me. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, I shared one of those things that I did when I was home for Christmas and didn't realize he was on the phone. <laughs> That's right. I was like, and did you? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was very embarrassing for me. <laughs> he handled it like a pro and was very kind. But I was like, I'm so sorry that I was such a little asshole. <laughs> maybe ruined this this nice phone um i mean i just did it last week my brother's moving and he told me where he's moving like where in the city he's going he's moving like slightly closer to where his girlfriend lives and i was like asking him about it and then i went it's okay if you want to move closer to her and he just didn't even (laughs) respond (laughs) He's just, like, not engaging. Because <laughs> I probably put, like, like a, a bunch of dot, dot, dots, and then, like, a crazy, like, hey, emoji. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not even going to, this isn't worth my time. Blowing up your sibling's spot yeah. is one of the great joys in life. <laughs> I can only do it and to, really like, as a proper younger sibling, I can only do it to two people. But <laughs> believe you me, lots of people can do it to me. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you're on the receiving end pretty regularly. <laughs> I've definitely been on the phone with somebody and had my sister in the background talk about how it's okay that I had diarrhea 
and needed to just, like just <laughs> build a whole stupid backstory. A hundred percent checks out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shay specifically, it's like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't even have to specify. I knew exactly who you were talking <laughs> You knew about. which sister. <laughs> um, would you guys spend time on this film set? Yeah. yeah. I think I... Like, I, I don't know, like, it would probably be interesting to, see, like, watch them, especially in light of the budget conversation that we've yeah. already had. I think it would be really fascinating to watch them pull this off. Um, so, yeah, I think I would. A uh, category that I just remembered that I'm pretty sure we forgot last week, so we can do oh. double duty. Uh, which character would you want to play? Oh, damn. We did forget that last week. So let's, let's do Pariah first, and we can circle back on Moonrise. <laughs> I guess Laura. I was gonna say like, Laura's the easy answer here. I think mine's the younger sister. You would crush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. <laughs> that tracks for sure. Yeah. That'd win an Oscar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Let's finish up this one and then we like the this movie and then we can jump back to Moonrise for that category. Um, the uh, email I sent you guys was I'm not running or we're not running we're podcasting. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what we are doing. That is what we are doing. Also, like it felt wrong to make some sort of like shitty comment about this movie because I really liked it a lot and I was like, eh, yeah. I shouldn't, and, I shouldn't be too glib about this. <laughs> like, right. And pariah is already such a loaded word. I know. We're yeah. Kind of like, yikes. Yeah. I really, I do think this movie would have done better with a different name. Cause I think pariah suggests such like a dour, like painful life. And in reality, it's like, this is more about a, a family that is, close like they have dinner together and like they do love each other but it's like there's particular struggle that is more the central focus so like pariah felt like very like oh there's nothing but hate but like alika is pretty loved Mm -hmm. for the most part um but i don't know what else you would name the movie i just feel like pariah and even on some of the posters it like gives the the definition. definition of a pariah where i'm kind of like yeah, but I still don't feel like that's extremely relevant to, like, this particular story. It's apt in some ways regarding the definition, but she isn't quite alone, especially since we meet her with uh, with Laura so soon. Yeah. Like, Laura is a constant, so it almost feels like, you know, less of a lonely word would have been more appropriate. Yeah, um... Peek behind the curtain, I almost went with Webster's Dictionary defines pariah ass. <laughs> That's my email <laughs> title. <laughs> I was like, that seems a little too niche. So <laughs> I was yeah. like, I won't go there. <laughs> um, uh, but we did, get, we did mention it. So. Yeah. Um, I think those are all the categories. Am I forgetting anything before we move to Oscars? <clears throat> no. Okay, so unsurprisingly, this movie was not nominated for any Oscars. Right. Um, so two things. One, uh, I do want to shout out the Independent Spirit Awards. <clears throat> it won the John Cassavetes Ooh. Award, which is for uh, <clears throat> films with budget under a million dollars. So there's nice. that. Very cool. Congratulations. And then um, Adipero Aduye was nominated for 
uh, female lead performance. Good. She did not win, but she was nominated, so. Um, Dang. Independent Spirit Awards are lit. I'm, I always like Independent Spirit I know. Awards. I'm thinking about, like, changing my whole life and committing to that award ceremony instead of the Oscars. <laughs> I support. But the problem is a lot of the independent, not a lot, but, like, some of the independent movies that get nominated just, like, aren't released in theaters. So they're, like, awesome. it's, like, literally impossible for me to see them, which is always a bummer. But... Yeah, and already a problem with the Academy Award nominations. Yeah, like it's it's like, tough well, sometimes in the regular Oscars. So like like the the lower tier uh, awards circuit is a little bit a uh, little bit uh, trickier. But um, two things I do want to talk about. Uh, one, this movie was shot by Bradford Young, mm-hmm. who you may recognize as the cinematographer for Arrival. And Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just like a really talented, I mean, sometimes more than others. But uh, when I, I was... Ex- Solo looked fine. Because <laughs> I was... The story made no sense, but it looked fine. You know, what are we going to do? Um, I thought that this movie was shot by... Um, Rachel Morrison, who was the cinematographer for Mudbound, mm. which I believe was the only nomination for Mudbound that year for Academy Awards. Oh. No, I'm oh, wrong. There, right. there were several, but uh, she was one of them. But anyway, I thought that she was the uh, cinematographer for this movie, but then when his name popped on the screen, I was like, oh, shit. Um, and then the other thing I want to say related to Oscars is I, I really think it's time that we add, like either best breakthrough performance or best first feature because i think that like a movie like this had no chance at ever winning an oscar which i think is like a bummer but i think that there are at least certainly things about this movie that are deserving of some sort of recognition more than just like the independent spirit awards and i think like a movie with a micro budget like this is just like never going to be able to play with you know fucking top gun maverick or whatever um so like i think and i i'm just thinking like if you think about it this year like it's awesome that paul mescal was nominated for after sun but like he's he's like been around for a little while like he's not a huge name by any means but like people are aware of who he is and he's been kind of like on the radar for a little while so like he already had some sort of recognition and I think he's really, really good in that movie. But, like, that movie doesn't work without Frankie Cordero's performance as, the like, the yeah. lead. And so, like, that's where, like, I think, like, a best breakthrough performance Oscar would be really clutch. Because I think you could give a nomination to a movie like this. Or you could give a nomination to a movie like After Sun. Or even, like, Best First Feature. Like, After Sun could be nominated there in a way. And, like, it was never going to get nominated for Best Picture, even though it's definitely in my top 10 of the year you know like i think or, yeah jonathan majors for last black man yeah like i think so, there's this like yeah. considering that is like but maybe you don't know uh what will be a breakout performance and maybe that almost is too guiding of a hand to be like well i guess independent spirit awards does have i, that, I was like, gonna say i'm, I'm pretty sure the, the spirit awards do, do. i was like i think the baptists do i 
think mm. I could be mm. wrong, but I think the SAGs have something along those lines too. I could, I, I could be wrong. I'm not going to actually look into that. I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there and cross my fingers. But I just, I think that that would be like, I think there's a lot of like stuff like this that just gets overlooked because of the nature of the awards cycle. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a bummer. I think there's a lot of really good stuff out there that would be nice. Cause like, especially like working at the theater, you know, I have so many people, like when a movie gets nominated and it happens to be something that we're still playing, like it, it bumps up the attendance. Like I went to go, not the theater that I work at, but I went to go see the living, the Bill Nye movie. Mm. Um, and the theater that I went to has had it for like almost a month. And so it was in their smallest theater, but the theater was nearly full. Like it was a packed theater. And so like mm-hmm. getting, getting recognized by the Oscars, even if it's just a nomination is huge. And it like goes along, like this movie had a budget of $800,000 and it didn't even make that budget back in the box office. And like, that's a fucking shame oh. for something like this. Like, I feel like, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, being being angry at the Oscars, yeah. but also still I think there's a lot still of loving them and interest. being an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah, I think the technical categories they keep trying to like thin them out or like take them away, and it's like okay, these jobs are still on the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you still have to award people that are working on your fucking movies, and the only ones that are like pretty subjective are like lead actress, lead actor, mm-hmm. uh, and like supporting. And so it's like yeah, add there, add if you want to like see what people are more interested in add more categories that include things that people are able to like acknowledge and, and understand Lay and people. that's like additional acting performance yeah. yeah and additional especially because and this would be funny if it was like best breakthrough performance and every year it was like a battle of children <laughs> of like these five kids <laughs> that were really good that year that have to like hunger games oh. it out on stage like at the yeah. oscar fuck you harley jarvis <laughs> That would be interesting, especially because somebody like Abigail Breslin would like, or like Haley Joel Osment probably would have like been better. Maybe, and maybe it's not even the competition. Maybe they just give it to somebody, almost like a lifetime achievement award, but at the front end, the front book end. Like, you're so young, <laughs> we can't wait to see what you're capable of. But I don't even think there needs to be an age requirement to it, right? Like, well, or because yeah, like I, mean, I think like, like she was thirty three when she shot this movie, and that's still like a like that's true. That's a breakout. Like Jonathan Majors, how old was he when he was in Last Black Man? in twenty four. Okay, so. well, yeah, but I mean, he's still not like a he's child. A yeah, but you could do the same <laughs> right. thing with Barry Keoghan and like Dunkirk. Like, there's yeah. still loads you right. can do. Or, or what is the the actor's name from Captain Phillips? Oh, 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 um, uh, Barkhad Abdi. Yeah, like, his performance was so celebrated, but he was in the supporting category and was, like, probably never going to win it, even though people really loved his performance. So, like, that would be a great performance to be like, wow, you came out of nowhere yeah. and you did so great. Here's an award to show for it. Um, I think that would be cool. You're right. Let's write the Academy. <laughs> Can you just do me a favor? You're already in town. Can you just, like, drive down there and just, like, yeah. <laughs> just go talk to I somebody? Was the, <laughs> yeah, I was at the Academy Museum yesterday, so. I'll talk about that in our Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Um, that's it. We did it. Pariah. 
Really good movie. Right I liked it a lot. Love Thank you for choosing it, Matt. Um, I'm happy. I, I did. Before we go to the last thing, uh, what character would you want to play in Moonrise Kingdom? <laughs> um, I think I would like to be uh, either Lucas Hedges' character, just a little shit, talking about lefty yeah. scissors, or uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> it would be a lot of fun to play Edward Norton's character as the Doofus Scoutmaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, Bruce Willis's character I think would be fun That's, to play. Yeah, and then I think I would he'd get to be talk a good one. Oh <laughs> shit! Um, oh, I played <laughs> Bob Elman. Didn't I think we did this seg- segment? Didn't we? What? What? I played. I played Bob Balban. Did we do this segment Hello? last week? I don't remember it. I think we did. But anyway, I would play Bob Elvin. Bob Elvin is who I would pick. Um. All right, we did it. Cool. Maybe we did it. We a, did it. Maybe Mariah. we. Maybe, maybe we did that segment twice. And if so, sorry, <laughs> listener. <laughs> uh, what have you guys been up to lately? I I'll can start, go. Because I, I don't think I've been up to much. No, I already said I would go. Okay, then go. What are you waiting for? Okay. Oh, I forgot. Um, so I saw The Force Awakens <coughs> yesterday at the Academy Museum. Uh, it was cool. There was like a panel beforehand <coughs> with the um, lead sound editor and one of the sound mixers and then the two editors of the movie. And so they talked about like some of the behind the scenes stuff going into episode seven, which was cool. Uh, and then rewatching it, I was like, yeah, this was a very fun movie introduces a lot of really fun ideas mm. it's so sad that it was all for naught at the end of these three movies that none of the stuff that's really hinted to was satisfyingly paid off uh, so that was more it's it's one yeah it's one of the, the star wars tragedies i would say uh, <laughs> great tragedy star wars as opposed to attack the clones which is of course a comedy um, <laughs> i <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think if I've watched anything else. I think I have. Uh, I think I already talked about Triangle of Sadness uh, on our last episode. And, you did. Which you didn't like. Interesting. Um, and... Fuck. Wait, have I done anything else? What's gone on? Bitchy. Oh, did I? T- I talked about Magic Mike XXL already, right? No, you didn't. You saw. You talked about how you were going oh, to go see it when okay. we got done recording, but you haven't actually talked about <coughs> seeing okay, it. Because guess what? It's lit. It's better than the second one. Magic Mike's Last Dance is a banger. There's no butts, but that's okay because it, it's about the evolution of Mike from the world of stripping into the world of choreography. Uh, you get a lot of really fun dances. Selma Hayek is sensational and very hot. Uh, and Channing Tatum is charming as ever. Like, I think Channing Tatum, the Tatum song started with Magic Mike, basically. Uh, and it's nice to see that it's still going strong. He's very charming and very likable. Uh, and overall, just had, a, just had a real blast. It's a real fun movie. It's not getting great reviews. Really? But don't listen to them. Don't listen to the reviews. It's 
It's fun. Soderbergh is back, baby. Oh, fuck yeah, Soderbergh is back. Soderbergh's been back for a while. This is my favorite retirement of all time, to be fair. To be perfectly clear, this is the best retirement. Would that we all, you know, we're all so successful in our retirements. LOL, if we ever get to retire. Uh, He's exactly every, like, dad who's like, I'm retired, and then has three jobs. And you're like, that's not really what retirement is. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm retired, though. And you're like, yeah, well, you're driving a bus three times a week. And also you work at a grocery store. And also you're a carpenter. It's too many things, Dad. Not my dad. My dad doesn't do any of those things. Anyway, uh, I don't think I... I think that's it. I think that's all I've watched. Uh, Period. The only thing I want to just counter real quick. I think when you're saying that the Channing Assance or tatum assans how whatever we're naming this uh started with magic mike i think that's 21 jump street erasure and i will not stand for it wait magic mike was after 21 jump street? yes i mean they were both the same year but i'm they, pretty sure it was they, they, were like, oh. they were like months apart they are it's the same era it was 2011 was the beginning mm-hmm. or 2012 12, yeah. was the beginning um though he was certainly well liked before that but like he had Foxcatcher after that, he had Twenty Two Jump Street after that. He had God bless Twenty Two yeah, Jump uh, Street. He the, had that. This is the end cameo, and this is the end, which is yeah. totally insane. <laughs> but it was like at his peak. Everyone was like, "More Tatum, more Tatum," and we deserved it. I'm always so excited when he pops up in something, so I'm very glad. I think he took like a mini break. I think he t- he, t- he took a Soderbergh. It's like a Soderbergh, yeah. But he's back. Soderbergh's back. We're all so blessed. Yeah. I think that's all I've done. So, well, I'll let the next person take it. All right. I can go. Um, I have mostly been trying to play catch up with Oscar nominated movies. So, uh, I uh, watched a movie called Tell It Like a Woman, which has a nominated song because apparently if Diane Warren writes a song, we have to nominate it, even if the movie is trash. Um, so we've got that going for <laughs> us several years running now. Yeah, wait, who else? What other ones did, is she responsible for? <laughs> responsible for? Responsible for? <laughs> is she guilty of? Uh, this is no shade to Diane Warren, uh, who is a great songwriter, but like she always writes songs for these really obscure movies. And then I watch these movies and I'm like, why is this happening? <laughs> I only know about her because of this exact thing is that she's the one who you keep having to be like, God damn it. I don't know what this movie is. Yeah. So last year's was Four Good Days, which uh, has Glenn Close and Mila Kunis. Uh, and I think maybe me and five other people saw that movie, and it's just not that good of a movie. Uh, yeah, this year is, uh, yeah, this Tell It Like a Woman, which, like, the whole premise of this movie is that it's seven short films that are all, like, written by, directed by, starring women, and, like, are, you know, there are some men in certain roles, but, like, for the most part, it's just like, oh, yeah, like women, we can make movies too, and it's just like really, really not good. <laughs> so, so that was a thing that I watched. Uh, I watched Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, oh. uh, which I was very not looking forward to, but I actually quite enjoyed. Um, I thought it I've was heard everyone like. Yeah, it. I I thought it was uh, quite charming. Um, I think Selma Hayek is a voice of one of the characters in that as well. Mm. So like. Hayek Assange. But the animation style in the trailer like really turned me off because I thought it just looked bad. 
like it just looked like bad animation but then i realized that that was just like the style they were going for um and it kind of reminded me of uh into the spider-verse where it's it's like not yeah it's like it's not the same as into the spider-verse but it is just like we are going for a different style of animation like we are not trying to do standard animation and once I was watching the actual movie, I was like, oh, no, this actually does work for me, and I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So okay. I would recommend, uh, if you want just, like, a fun, charming little, uh, it's only, like, an hour and a half-ish. Um, good, good stuff. Uh, and then I watched all of the Oscar-nominated short films. Uh, I won't talk about all of them, but on the whole, I was, like, not that jazzed about the live action. Um, I thought they were all not great uh there were a couple towards the end that i did enjoy one of them is called an irish goodbye um and that's probably my favorite of the bunch so if you can check that out i don't know if it's streaming anywhere but if you happen to find it i would recommend that one um tyranny you specifically i think would enjoy that uh for reasons (laughs) that you might imagine based on the title um i thought the animated slate was probably my strong my favorite of the the three um i liked almost all of those uh, there's one called My Year of Dicks, which is about it's a, it's a autobiographical story of a woman uh, when she was 15 and trying to lose her virginity. And it's very funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I watched the documentary shorts and I thought like on the whole, they were all just like pretty good. No real standouts, no real like bummers, um, but they were the, they were what they were. Uh, and then I saw the movie Close which is nominated for Best International Feature, and it's really mm. fucking good. It is oh, hard to watch uh, in similar ways to how Pariah is hard to watch. Um, but if you can power through it, uh, I it was very, very, very good. Uh, and then I saw Living, which is the Bill Nye movie that I mentioned earlier, and I thought it was fine. I didn't think he was that good, so I'm annoyed that he got... I mean, like, he's always good, like he's Bill Nye, but... Um, I was like, oh, really? We're going to nominate this? Okay. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been watching on the movie front. And then the only thing... Oh, there's one other thing that I watched on the movie front. Uh, y'all, they re-released Titanic in 3D, and I saw that shit, and it fucking rules. Titanic is still excellent. Uh, will not be listening to arguments otherwise, now or ever. <laughs> Near or far. <laughs> Wherever, Wherever you, are. you are, if you happen to be able to watch Titanic in 3D in a movie theater, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is that I'm still watching Bad Sisters. I was hoping yeah. to finish it before we started recording so I could download all of my thoughts onto Tierney, but I was unable <laughs> to do so. I have like three episodes left, so I'll finish it before next week. But Buckle up, baby. It got off to a bit of a slow start. Like, I, it's not that it was bad at the beginning, but it just took me a little while to get into it. But I think I'm through seven episodes, seven or eight episodes up to this point, and I'm quite enjoying it so far. So I'm mm. curious to see how that ends. Also, I believe it was renewed for a second season, so I'm very curious to see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also like. <laughs> curious to see how a season two is going to go. Yeah, I knew that it was like a british slash irish co-pro with apple and so i was like hoping that there would be like uh all right we're just gonna tell this one story and then we're gonna be done with it but i guess that is not the case so we'll see but i'm enjoying it so far we'll see how a potential season two goes 
But that's yep. it. That's what I... Oh, have I talked about shrinking on the pod? Yeah, I think you did last I'm week. I'm aware of it. So it's a new Apple TV Plus show. Uh, yeah. Jason is co-created by uh, Bill Lawrence of Scrubs and Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Brett Goldstein mm-hmm. of Ted Lasso. And Jason mm-hmm. Siegel of... You know, it's Jason Siegel, so you know who he is. Mm. Um, but Jason Siegel and Jessica Williams and... Uh, Harrison Ford all play therapists and uh, it's really fucking good. Uh, I think I'm enjoying it more with each episode. Jessica Williams is so fucking funny. Like I've known that she's hilarious for a while, but I just like, she's not in a lot of stuff that I watch. uh, So I kind of forget about it. And then I see her in something and I'm like, God damn, she's so good. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, if you are not watching shrinking, I would recommend watching Shrinking. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Good tips. That's it. For real this time, that's it. <laughs> um, my list is pretty short here. Uh, what do we got? Uh, I'm still on season one of Narcos, but I'm toward the end of the season. And as I texted you guys, of course, the next episode after I said last week that Pablo Escobar's character was like, compelling like the guy who plays him does a compelling performance of course he just went on to do truly reprehensible shit for at this point like four or five (laughs) episodes in running so uh he's bad and also not good and at the same time i think turns out pablo escobar bad and also not good you heard it here first folks (laughs) i think it's deliberate of the of the show that he gets the most airtime in the beginning and so you kind of get a backstory of, like, where he's come from, coming from versus now he's, like, let in the show less. And a lot of side, character, mm. side characters are stepping up. Um, still watching The Last of Us. I just finished episode five. And then, of course, I need to follow it up with a Veep palate cleanser so I can sleep at night. And uh, I've been reading Antarctica, which is a collection of short stories by, you guessed it, Clara Keegan. <laughs> a girl has a type I think this is the last of her things I haven't read <laughs> and once I've read them all I'll be Keep done <laughs> well what I was going to say was I have also been reading this King's Vulture article that uh, Colin turned me on to, the Catherine Von Ehrendonk and Jackson McHenry article. But I'm not done yet. Oh my god. And so I'll let you know when I, I'm finished. I'm so sorry, Tierney. I should have let you know the last word. 